0: Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice, to proven bowhunting tactics, and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. Alright, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and as always, we're thrilled that you've taken some time to be with us today for a show that is probably going to be extremely useful for anyone out there who hunts the West or has dreamt of hunting the West. And I would hope that that is pretty much everybody. Uh, We are gonna talk today about the Western uh, tag game, how to get those coveted Western big game tags and some strategies to help you be more successful in doing that. And toward that end, I have got a tremendous guest on the line, uh, mr eric Pollack. eric is the director of the tags program at worldwide trophy adventures and he is one of the gurus when it comes to uh, securing those tags for those limited entry western big game hunting seasons with that eric thank you so much for being with me on peterson's bowhunting radio
1: Hey Christian, happy to be here and happy to try to answer any questions you might have regarding drawing tags, limited entry tags, anything tags related. I can. I've been doing this since 2003, so I can probably help.
0: Well, I know that you can, and you know you're out in Sydney, Nebraska, and uh, you probably uh, you know grew up uh, in the West and have been doing Western hunting most of your life but for those of us who live back east I'm in Pennsylvania and of course it's no secret that because you know Most of America's population, you know, is on the coasts and particularly the East Coast that there are more bow hunters, you know, that live back East than live anywhere else just because there's more people in this part of the world. And our system, you know, in this part of the world is just so different than it is out West. And I mean, I think that's the first thing that I just kind of want to throw at you is that it can be really confusing to a guy from Pennsylvania or Ohio or New York or wherever Ever where you know you're used to just buying a license every year, a hunting license, and you can pretty much hunt just about everything with that hunting license maybe you've got to get a some doe tags or something like that but it's pretty straightforward and you look at these western states especially for people who haven't done it and golly some of these states have books that are an inch thick and there's literally hundreds and hundreds of different hunt uh hunts and units and things that you have to make sense of so it's a big it's a big deal to try and get into it isn't it eric
1: yeah, it really is, and and I'd like to say that uh, I'm very sensitive to, uh, or I, I have a very deep understanding or empathy for the people on the uh, you know, maybe east of the Mississippi River. I actually grew up in Orchard Park, New York, uh, home of Quaker Boy Game Calls, but uh, Orchard Park is a suburb of Buffalo, and and yeah, we would just you know when I uh, took my hunter safety course, and then it was just as simple as buying a turkey tag or buying a, a white-tailed deer tag, and and um, it's very different back there right and uh you know the, the western game is is a totally different animal right um no pun intended but i once i learned how the the west allocated tags and the limited entry nature of the draw it just it really resonated with me it really made sense to me and um It is more complicated. Uh, I think we deal in 18 different states, maybe 20 some different species. So, uh, you know, applying in all those different states and knowing the rules and the ins and the outs of the application game and doing it correctly and on time, right? These deadlines are hard and fast deadlines that you have to hit. Um, the applications are all different. Number of choices on the application, game management units, um, Um, you know, different, different quality in the different game management units, knowing the drawing odds in those game management units, it is a major undertaking to, to apply in, in one state, let alone, you know, I have clients who apply in all the states, right. Or, you know, I have clients that apply in our average is probably a client that will apply in, in six different states, right? Uh or or you know, sometimes that can be up to you know four or five different species, six different species. Um so it really is a full time job for us. Uh, WTA tags, uh you know, we actually started in, in two thousand and three under Cabela's. We were Cabela's tags and then in twenty fifteen we were we were bought out by Mark Peterson uh, of Shelby, Michigan. Uh, and, um, so we've been doing it a long time. I have a team in place that, um, you know, is, is just as versed in the, in the Western application game as I am. And, and, uh, to do it right, it really does, in my opinion, obviously it might be a little bit biased, but it really does take professional assistance and, and, uh, you know, we can save you time and, and money and, and a lot of frustration. That's for sure. So, um, that's, uh, that's kind of a little bit about my background and, and you know, what we have going on now. We're just, actually, we're just wrapping up the, um, the application season for this year, uh, Arizona, uh, the sheep and they have a staggered deadline and sheep and coos deer and mule deer, uh, bison, and Turkey, that, that application that I, it's actually June 9th. And I'll tell you what, through this whole COVID mess, it has been a challenge. I've been doing this. I think this is my 17th application season. And, uh, you know, this has by far been the most difficult with COVID going on, but, but yeah. So I'm again just to answer your question, very, very uh, sensitive to uh, what people are trying to navigate through. Uh, maybe living, you know, on the coasts and, and trying to hunt out west. It, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a lot of work.
0: Yeah, and to your point, you know, it's a no pun intended. It's a full time job, right? Because it literally is your full time job, and like you said, yeah. you've got a whole team of people doing it. I think the You know, the whole thing about the West, if you're not from the West, is it's the whole it's a it's a double-edged sword everything about hunting the west is a double-edged sword right on the one hand it's awesome because there's so much there you talked about i think 20 different species that you handle you know applications for so things far beyond what would immediately come to mind right which would typically be like antelope elk mule deer would probably be the big three that most people think about going to the west but then you've got obviously different species of elk and you know you've got moose and you've got uh, bears mountain lions uh, i could go on and on sheep goats you name it um and every state has different species you know that exist there and different hunting opportunities and every state you know uses slightly different systems too i know um You know, I think that it would be helpful for our listeners, especially those who aren't really familiar with it, is to cover some of the uh, different systems that the state use. And I'll throw a couple examples at you. And because I know that you know this even better than I do, you can come back and, and sort of flesh this out a little bit. But I'll give just some four examples as a starting point. So you take a state like New Mexico, which basically... You know, the way I understand it, it's a, it's literally a lottery and you can enter every year for whatever species you want. And no matter how many times you enter, it's literally like buying a Powerball ticket and you have about as much of a chance of winning this year as you do 20 years from now. So that's one method. Uh, then you've got a state like Colorado, which operates on sort of a straight preference point system, which means that when you apply for a tag and you don't draw, you get a point. And that is basically a placeholder in line, if you will. And so every year that you apply and you don't get that tag, you get another point, you move up in line, you move up in line, you move up in line until eventually once you have enough points, depending on how many people want that tag that you want. You'll draw that tag and it goes to the people with the most points. And then there's yet a third sort of uh, way that some of the Western states do it. And I think Montana is one that is this way, which is kind of a hybrid system. And I don't claim to completely understand this, but I know that it's basically... You get points when you don't draw, but somehow you can draw with no points, and I know this because last year I drew a a nice elk tag in Montana, and it took me five years to draw that tag, Eric, and I went out last year and I killed a great bull, and so did my buddy. We waited both five years. We went out, had a great hunt. We killed two great bulls. I applied again this year, and I just drew the same tag that it took me five years to draw for two years in a row. It makes no real sense to me. So talk to me about this, because even that can be confusing to the average hunter, and I know it is.
1: Sure, and that was very well said. You know, the three systems are basically this. It would be no point system at all. Like you had just mentioned, New Mexico does not have a point system. It doesn't matter if you've applied 20 years or, and I've only applied one year, my odds are exactly the same as yours, right? Uh, Idaho for moose, sheep, and goat, uh, and elk, deer, and antelope, no point system, right? It's just a straight draw, straight lottery, okay? And then the preference point system in Colorado, which you said perfectly, you are not going to draw a tag if you have one point and there's a person that has two points, and the person that has two points is not going to draw a tag against a person that has three points, Okay. So that's a true preference system. Now, the third system that you're alluding to is called a bonus point system. And I want you to think of it like this. Let's say you go to your state fair and they have a area that you walk into, or let's say you go to a Pheasants Forever or you know a Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation banquet and you see all the different guns and different gadgets and paintings that they have to buy lottery tickets for. right? And you walk around and look at each different item displayed and you say, I'm gonna put five raffle tickets there, I'm gonna put one in there, I'm gonna put 100 raffle tickets in here because I really wanna win that 300 win mag and I'm gonna put 10 raffle tickets here. Okay, the 300 win mag comes up and you don't win. You just spent $100 in raffle tickets and, and you lost and the guy sitting next to you won it. And you say to him, how many raffle tickets did you buy? And he says, I bought one. It can happen. They can reach into that hat and they can pull your name out of there. And the guy sitting next to you to the right that has 100 tickets or a guy that has 10 years of of bonus points or lottery tickets for the Arizona elk drawing, same thing happened to me. I applied in Arizona in unit 27. The first Arizona elk tag I ever drew, I think I had six points, right? I had applied six years. They drew my name out of the hat, my best friend and I, we were on a party application. We drew it together. Party application means one draw, all draw, or nobody draws, right? So anyway, we draw the tag. Our preference points now go from six to zero. We entered the lottery the very next year and, the, and we drew it again. It just We had one ticket in there, you know, we had one application in there and they reached into the hat and they pulled our name out. So again, that's, you know, that's called the bonus point system. I think the thing I want people to remember, the easiest way to explain this is that it's very, very seldom that you don't have a chance. You always have a chance. I'll call a person up and say, you just drew a Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep tag. And they're like, how did I draw that? And it's because there's random luck to all these draws, unless it's a preference point system, like in Colorado, right? So Very few states are as restrictive as Colorado, where it's a true preference state, right? Uh, Iowa whitetail tags are on a true preference point system. Colorado is a true preference point system. But, you know, all the other states, and I'm trying to just remember them all, all the other states, there is a random element to that drawing. And I hope that explained the bonus point system, but that's how you drew that tag. You just, you know, you got lucky
0: yep well and it's better to be lucky than good isn't it <laughs> right.
1: it's, it's well, good you know, to too, be lucky it, it it makes things you, you knowing that you're in the game it, it's always an exciting time here when I draw posts here it is a very exciting day at the WTA tags office it's not only exciting for the consultants the consultants are all jazzed up who did I draw and you know what did I draw myself you know did, And then when when the girls print out uh, my application team made up of uh, three different people, actually four different people, you know, they'll give us the names. They'll, they'll, They'll check every name and they'll say, here's the people who drew the tags. And it's always fun to go through that spreadsheet and see who drew the sheep tag, who drew the Oryx tag, who drew the Ibex tag, who drew the New Mexico elk tag, you know, who drew the Arizona strip mule deer tag. And and to make that phone call to a client and say, hey, bud, you just drew the tag of a lifetime, or you just drew a tag, a tag you were trying to draw. It's it's just a great phone call. It's a fun day. It's an exciting time in a hunter's life, and it's it's neat to be part of that process. It's neat to be. It's it's just an it's just a great feeling to be to be in the draws and, 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 and always wonder, boy, am I going to draw a tag this year? Hey, is this the year that I finish my grand slam of sheep and, and draw that desert sheep tag? Or, Hey, you know that I really want to chase elk in the bugle. I wonder if I'm going to draw in Arizona this year or Nevada or Utah. And it's just, you know, it's just an awesome day. And it's, it's a fun thing to play around in. And, you know, if you can draw a tag, you're going to save a ton of money. You know, that's the most, that's another thing I want to get through to the listener is that, people often ask, you know, why am I playing this application game? Why am I spending years of, 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 of just, you know, oftentimes disappointment, right. And, and, and spending these application dollars and, and why don't I just book a hunt? And the reason why is because if you can draw a tag, you can get very high quality hunting for a very reasonable price on an outfitted hunt. A better way to say that, or maybe a better way to exemplify that is a client will call me. We have a, um, a booking agency here called WTA Outdoor Adventures, and you can just book hunts all over the world, fishing trips, hunting trips, and the client will call. Elk is the big species here. It seems like every fourth call that comes in, here, there's 29 North American big game species, and it seems like every third call is a, someone from the East wanting to book an elk hunt out West. And... When they hear, you know, when they hear the pricing of the hunting, there, I think there's some sticker shock, right? Elk hunting has gotten expensive. All hunting has gotten expensive, unfortunately, but particularly elk hunting. And if you're going to call me and 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 you know, hey, I want to, you know, hunt a bull that scores, you know, the average is three hundred and twenty inches, three hundred and thirty inches, three hundred, you know, to, to book that hunt in the open market where the tag is guaranteed that's an expensive proposition now to go to a good private ranch where 330 yeah, bulls are prevalent you, you got to be looking at at least 10 grand minimum yeah i was going to say 10 plus right yeah. now if you enter your name into the lottery and you draw that tag you're going to cut that price in half right it's going to be five or six thousand dollars you're going to get that quality or better and that's why you play the application game but it well, a question regarding preference points and bonus points, and I kind of went off on a tangent there. No, but, uh, that, that, was all,
0: that. that was all. That was all really good information, and I think you know. Uh, to your point, you know, you said it, it is fun. It is exciting to have a chance, you know, and to have you know just for myself, even with that elk tag that I drew this year. Um, that's, that's an unexpected bonus because there's other situations, as you said, Iowa, that happens to be a state that I will draw this year because I have four points going into this year. Oh, great. I know that I'm going to hunt Iowa whitetails this year because that's a straight preference point system and you just have to wait your turn. I had a very, very small chance of drawing last year with three points. Uh, there's usually a handful of people with three that'll get it, but there's very few licenses left by the time it gets to those with three but I'm, nice. I'm planning to hunt this year and kansas uh just as an aside i think kansas is probably a, a straight preference point system too correct they they typically didn't sell out but that's changed now and I didn't draw Kansas in 2019 oh. which, was, which was surprising but I was sure. one of the victims they had an absolute all time record in non-resident applications last year yeah. now the, the good the good that came out of that is of course I knew I would draw in 2020 and indeed I have so I have a heck of a good. whitetail uh, rut lined up for myself with Kansas awesome. and awesome. I Uh, And then that Montana was just, uh, you know, I talked to the outfitter that we hunted with last year and I was, I said, you know, do you think I ought to even put in for the elk because I'm going to put in for the, for the deer license and do a deer hunt. And, and he was, you know, we were going back and forth and I said, you know what? I said, why not just put in, I said, I don't have any points. So I don't have anything to risk if for some reason, you know, I wouldn't be able to do the elk hunt. I'm like, why not just put in for it and see what happens? And if worse comes to worse, I'll probably get the archery deer tag anyway. And that'll be, so we'll just stick with that plan and like Lo and behold, I drew that. So now I'm like, I really have a nice fall shaping up, you yeah. know, but so I've got, yeah, I mean, I've got elk and deer in Montana and those two prime uh, Midwest whitetail hunts. But, but the point is, how do you, and here's where I'm going with this, because to, to your point, you almost always have at least some chance in most of these states, but the chance isn't always particularly high and you can't really plan a hunting strategy on, on fortuitous surprises like I had in Montana. If you want to hunt every year, you're typically working with clients when you you know, you know mentioned earlier, hey, I have clients that apply in every state or I have clients who apply in six states a year. Somebody who heard that earlier might be thinking, who are these people that are going on six elk hunts every year? Or no, 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 that's not really probably what you mentioned. It's because you help people to put together a strategy based on the odds of drawing so that, say, if you want to be able to go on a nice Western hunt every year or every other year, this is what I recommend that you do. And if you do this consistently, you're going to do every year or every other year, draw a decent tag and then have something to look forward to every fall or every other fall as your budget allows.
1: So. That's an excellent, excellent question. And that's an, an, an excellent understanding of, of the process. I have clients that have been with me you know, pushing 20 years, right? And I have clients that are just getting involved for the first time. Okay. So every year in December, right, we send out a renewal statement. And we also send out a catalog that tries to explain to people and entice people to sign up for the first time. But for this particular part of the, of the interview, We're gonna talk about people who have been at it for a while, right, who've been putting in, who have some points here and there, who have a couple states. Some guys have, like we said, you know, four pages of, of applications, and we have a couple guys that put in for one or two things, right? We have some guys that have been with me 20 years, and some guys that have been with me one or two years, right? Every December, I send them a renewal statement, and I say, hey, Christian, Here's your, here's what you've been doing with my company, and you have one point for Arizona elk, and you have ten points for Montana sheep, and you have this, that, and you know, and you have all these different things. Uh, I can look at that portfolio, and there is some predictability to it, right? Even though there is random luck, there's also, we also remember that the more points you have, Uh, the the higher your percentages go up of drawing. And I can look at a guy's portfolio or a gal's portfolio and I can say, hey, look, I really think you shouldn't book anything this year because I think there's a high probability of drawing this tag, okay? And then they don't draw it and then they're upset with me. (laughs) But if they don't draw it, I can also go out into the open market, into the guaranteed tag market and find a reputable outfitter that I trust to take you. So, you know, uh, I can also uh, another question I'll get is well, what if I draw three tags or what if I draw two tags? I, you know a couple things, you know I can mitigate some of that with just the way I apply you I can look at it and say I think he's gonna draw this so I'm gonna put him in for you know something extremely difficult here or I'll change this application to point only so we're just gonna get a point for you You have no chance at drawing because I, I think there's such a high probability of drawing this, right? Um, so you know it does get tricky. I I do draw multiple tags for guys in the same calendar year. It's rare. It does happen. Uh, I'm working with, I'm, after I get off this call, I'm going to call a gentleman that has had the most unbelievable luck in the draw that I've ever seen in, in my almost two decades of doing this. Um, he drew this year, a Utah elk tag, a really, really good one. Very difficult to draw. And a Nevada elk tag even more difficult to draw. Just I never saw it coming. It, it statistically it never should have happened. If you were to take those two tags at one in ten odds, right? The Utah tag you have one chance in ten, and the Nevada tag you have one chance in ten. To draw both of those, 10 times 10 is 100. That's a 1 in 100 chance. That's and By the way, the odds in Utah and Nevada for non-residents for these great units, I'm putting this gentleman in, are far worse than 1 in 10. But just to make the math easy, 1 in 10 and 1 in 10, 10 times 10 is 1 in 100. That's a 1% chance of drawing both the tags, right? So it is rare. It does happen. Now, what we're going to do, I'm going to find out today, right after I get up this call, I'm going to call him. He's deciding on if he's going to do both the hunts, because the game management units are within about four hours of each other, and he knows that if he turns one of them back, he might never get this chance again. It, in Utah, he can turn the tag back and get his points reinstated. So, some states have rules that I can help him navigate through. Like, hey, look, turn this one back. It's a damn good tag, but it's not as good as the Nevada tag. We're going to go after the Nevada tag, right? Or I have a feeling, I mean, this guy's been with me for a little while. He's got some time on his hands, he owns his own business. You know, I think he can get the vacation worked out the right way He understands that if he turns the tag back, he might not draw it again for a long time But you know or he might say to me. Hey look, I can only do one Which one should I do and I'll tell him that so there's ways, you know, there's ways around that stuff But to answer your question in short. Yes um, When I look at a portfolio, there is some predictability to it and I can often make recommendations based on how many points you have and the different species and and things like that
0: so Talk to me uh, a little bit about um, the cost of applying for tags because now I haven't used your service, but I knew I do know a little bit about how it works, which and there's some some aspects to what you guys offer that I think is really uh, genius, especially if. Uh, People want to apply for multiple tags. But again, for those who are listening, if you haven't applied for Western tags in the past, what you need to understand is that most of the time when you want to apply for one of these licenses, and again, I'll use Montana as an example because I had just done this not long ago, you have to pay the state the full cost of your hunting license and your application fee, as well as the cost of those individual big game licenses or unit specific permits. And it adds up rather quickly. I know for my Montana application this year, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,200 just to submit that application. Now, of course, had I not been successful, I would have received a portion of that back as a refund, although the state keeps uh, a certain amount, and this will vary from state to state, just in administrative processing and application fees. But you could imagine if you wanted to apply in in six states that you've got to be willing to tie up $6,000 for... Um, you know, a month, two months, three months, however long it is between the time that you submit your applications and when uh, those drawing results are announced and you receive your refunds. Now with tags, I know that you basically float the application fees for your clients and you just pay uh, sort of a, an administrative fee uh, in exchange for that. So you're able to apply for a lot of tags at a fraction
1: of the upfront cost, correct? Correct. So, yes, that's correct. WTA tags charges anywhere from $30 we charge per application, right? So Montana elk will have a charge. Arizona sheep will have a charge. Nevada antelope will have its own charge, right? So per application we charge a fee. Our fee could be anywhere from $30 for that application to $300 for that one particular application. The way the fee structure is set is based on the flow. So if a, and the difficulty of the application. So if a state mandates that you have to upfront the tag fee at time of application, like in Montana, like in New Mexico, like in Iowa, if they say, hey, we want the money for the tag. And if you don't draw the tag, we'll send you your money back, naturally, we charge more for that because you you use our money, right? You use WTA's money. You don't have to come up with the $3,000 sheep tag in New Mexico, or you don't have to come up with the, I think it's the tag you applied for was probably the Montana uh, big game combination tag with permit area. So you, you know, just the float on that tag is a thousand and six dollars i believe and there's a hundred and fourteen dollar state application fee so you know we charge i think we charge ninety five dollars for that application but we'll float the thousand dollar tag for you okay now the state fees are the state fees you're going to pay that whether I do the application for you or whether you do it yourself, and you're just gonna lose that. That's money that goes to the state, that's their 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 administrative fee. Again, that's a fixed cost, whether you do it or I do it, you pay that. The WTA tags fee is based on if there's a float, not all states have a float, right? Um, and so those applications are a lot less expensive. But yeah, the, the great, the big feature of the WTA tag service is that we do float the tag fee where necessary. And to your point, you know, you can easily have six or $10,000 out there if, if you're playing the game pretty heavily and you're putting in for a lot of different tags. And yeah, you get that money back if you don't draw, but it's nice not to always be worrying about, did my credit card work? Did I get the refund back, you know? And also, Remember, it's not just the float though. it's we know the game management units. We know how to do the application. We get the application done on time. If you were to if you were to draw a tag, we have outfitter assistance where we can help you choose an outfitter that is the best for that particular tag. You don't have to use our outfitters. You can go DIY, you can choose your own outfitter, but with the background and the the years of longevity at doing this, we have uh, we usually have pretty good recommendations. so
0: so uh then if you draw the tag and you guys have floated the money then then you just have to basically pay you back for the tag at that time is that how that works now is you so go go ahead ahead. no you go ahead
1: you you said it exactly right If, if you draw a tag we call you on we don't just hit your credit card we call you on the phone we congratulate you and then we explain that hey look you know you've drawn this tag and in you know for you to for us you know for you to take advantage of this you, you would have to reimburse wta tags for the price of the tag that we floated for you gotcha gotcha
0: now you mentioned that not all the not all the states have a float so is it potentially um more attractive for a hunter who maybe is just getting started in this to say hey maybe I'll just focus my efforts on some of these states that don't don't have that float is that something that you recommend to people is there is there or may, let me even just throw that out there as one consideration among many let me make this a broader question because there's people who are going to be listening who are going to be wondering this they're going to say hey you've got eric on the line ask him i'm a i'm a you know i'm a plumber from new jersey i'm a i'm a car salesman in georgia i'm a you know business owner in uh tennessee I, i've always wanted to go you know out west and hunt for x uh, where's the best you know place for me to start looking or is there a uh, is there a, like sort of a uh, a best top three or five states that you recommend to people?
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, you would never make a decision based on the difficulty of the application. You'd let me worry about that. Or even if you're doing this yourself, you would always, always go, apply in a state where the non-resident uh, that has the highest number or the best probability of drawing a non-resident quality tag. The quickest right so for example if you're putting a rocky mountain sheep portfolio together right you would never apply in a state like let's say a state like washington before applying for uh, a state like idaho right just because your odds are so much higher of drawing that tag in Idaho. Now, Idaho is a tough application, right? You have to float the $2,000 tag fee. So, you know, naturally we have to charge more, but the odds of drawing a tag in Idaho are so far improved than drawing a non-resident sheep tag in Washington state that you know, it's, it's night and day. You would, like I said, you would never make that decision. You would never recommend, my consulting team would never recommend that you apply for, you know, let's say a desert sheep tag in Utah over a desert sheep tag in Nevada. There's 33, roughly 30 non-resident tags in Nevada. I think Utah has got three or four non-resident tags, right? So, um, well, we recommend a portfolio. We're, we're going to recommend it based off of your goals. And then those goals will equate to, to non-resident drawing odds. And those are the states that would come out first in our recommendation. Well,
0: the another thing that, uh, you know, has come up or in my mind as we've had this conversation is obviously, and you mentioned it, you know, a lot of this stuff is pretty expensive especially when you're traveling you know from half a country away because if you live in these areas and you can draw these tags it's probably pretty reasonable to do a lot of these hunts on your own you know if there's some decent resource on public ground and there is in a lot of the west but for somebody who's coming from far away and you don't know anybody um, you know obviously using an outfitter is a great option because that really kind of uh, reduces the steepness of the learning curve and it tends to help you to maximize, you know, not only the uh, effectiveness of your hunt, but the enjoyment of it. But at the same time, it's, it's um, you know, I don't want to give the impression that you have to be wealthy to enjoy hunting in the West. And there definitely are some bargains. I'm sure that you get this question all the time too. You know, what's a what's a good hunt that, you know, the average guy can go do in the West and afford? And, you know, I'm going to maybe steal your answer, but I would certainly think that at the top of that list or, or close to it has got to be uh, an antelope hunt, you know, and there's a lot of, especially for bow hunters, there's a lot of antelope tags that you might have to apply for, but you're, probably going to get them you know in your very first year and when it comes to the cost of hunts uh i don't think that you probably offer many hunts uh that are outfitted for big game in the west that are less expensive than pronghorn hunts
1: no absolutely i was going to say you know an antelope hunt uh you know for people just wanting to come out and experience the west and not break the bank even for guys that want a diy hunt um, antelope hunting is, is definitely the number one species in the West, right? Um, you know, elk hunting gets involved. Packing a bull elk out is totally different than, you know, dragging an antelope to your to your truck but antelope hunting you know it's one of my favorite hunts to do i love when one of my kids draws an antelope tag when i personally draw an antelope tag you know it's an easier hunt there's no pressure you get to look at a lot of animals you're in wide open spaces you know so you can take in the beauty and grandeur of the west uh you know it, it, it's it, you know it's you know it's a worthy adversary, right? It's, it's, it's a, it's a worthy opponent. I mean, they can see, they can run, uh, and just, I just like watching them and and I also like judging them. And I also, you know, that one doesn't have big cutters or that one, you know, doesn't have the length or I like breaking down an antelope. It's, it's a lot of fun, you know, and, um, and, you know, you can go after, you know, the red desert of Wyoming, right? Some of the best, probably the best antelope hunting in the world right now. Uh, or you can just, and that tags could take some, again, with random luck, you could draw it your first year but more the probability is probably better in your seventh or eighth year of applying right um, or there's units that you know you could probably draw this year now you got to be careful with some of the units you can draw this year for the DIY hunter because um, you know that typically to me states either has low trophy quality or and or heavily heavily private land right so you know, those are certain things I can help you through. But yeah, antelope is a, is a is a great intro to the West. It's not even an intro. Like I said, I've been big game hunting almost as hard as you can do it for a lot of years now, and and antelope is when I draw an antelope tag, I definitely get excited about it. Um, so so for sure, you know, it is getting more expensive, and the fees are going up. And you know, this non-resident tag game, um, you know, it's it's one of the unfortunate things that I see happening right now is, is the way non-residents are treated. The tag allocations seem to, you know, get more difficult. The odds seem to get more difficult and the fees seem to go up. And it's something we, you know, as, as sportsmen, we all need to kind of band together and, and, and just kind of think about, you know, Hey, we want more people involved, not less. Right. But I can help, you know, I can help you with that. And um I can, you know, my team can, can kind of navigate through some of that stuff. But um but yeah, antelope hunting is uh, is a great one. Um, you know, mule deer hunting. You know, that's probably your next step. Just to get, again, you don't. You know, there's they live from the eastern plains of Colorado to the high mountains of of you know Montana. So there's mule deer kind of neat that way, right? There's everything in between. Um, and then you know, elk hunting. You know, when a guy draws a great elk tag, you know, particularly you know someone from the east or someone from let's say over you know maybe. 10 or 12 hours from the hunting area, there's a lot involved with you know what I call heavy game, right? You know the elk, the elk hunting, uh, sheep hunting. Now that's a tag you might only draw once in your lifetime, right? You, you, I mean, do you know what you're looking at? Do you, do you want to, you know, you might, you know, you certainly don't want to eat a tag like that, right? So, uh, you, when I say eat a tag, meaning you, you, you want to punch that tag, you want you want to harvest, you want to harvest, and and you want to put yourself in the best possible position to do that. These outfitters, I mean. It's night and day, right? And, and really how much are you going to save? I, I had alluded to before, you know, a great elk hunt on a draw. Let's say it's, let's say it's $6,500, right? I mean, what are you going to have into this thing if you do it yourself, right? You've just drawn a Nevada elk tag, right? It's a, this is a tag that, you know, big elk, you know, world class bulls, you know, big mountains, rugged, uh, you know, you have to think about the pack out, you know, you know, how much time do you really have to do it right? I mean, you need to get out there and figure out that unit and, and know what you're doing and, and you just, you want to maximize a tag like that. So I'm always prone to hiring an outfitter for, for a lot of tags, but there's also some tags too that, yeah, you can definitely get away with for, with, with DIY hunting
0: yeah absolutely i mean antelope is one there's again it's uh if if guys want to do their homework there there are parts of the west where there's an awful lot of antelope and a, and an awful lot of public land and you can absolutely. it's definitely doable i was actually right working on an article about a, a diy hunt that i did last august right before this call so that's you know that's still one of the everyman hunts of the west and i'll tell you i'm gonna mention something else and this is this is kind of offbeat because it's not what anybody thinks of when they think about Western hunting. Um, But boy, is there a resource, uh, throughout a lot of the West and it's very, very much overlooked because the local Western bow hunters don't tend to want to mess around with them very much. There are a lot of big whitetails in a lot of these western states, and getting the tags is pretty easy. And in some places hunting them on public ground is pretty pretty accessible too. And and I don't know how much attention, you know, you get from your clients uh about Western whitetails, but but man, you know, some of the some of the whitetails that I saw last year in Montana when I was doing my antelope hunt are one of the main reasons I'm going back this year to hunt the deer as well as the elk because that just lit my fire as an Eastern whitetail guy.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. The Western whitetail is overlooked, you're right. And it shouldn't be because look where you were at in Montana. I drew a, um, a Montana tag this year. I drew the big game combo with the permit area, the 900-20 permit area, which allows me to hunt elk uh, with my bow uh, in, a, in, a, in a specialized zone. But again, I have the big game combo piece of that. I think I'm more excited about the deer, which I can hunt mule deer or whitetails, and the outfitter I'm going with, I mean, he sent me pictures of all kinds of elk and all kinds of mule deer, and then I got to the whitetail pictures, and I was like, "Rich, these whitetails are huge!" And he's like, "Yeah." And so I'm going to Montana as well, and I think I'm most excited about the whitetail piece of that. But and I have guys in the office here who go up to Montana every year and just do DIY public land deer hunting. You know, if a big whitetail walks by, they're they're after that, and if they glass up a big muley, they're they're after that. So Montana's a great place to to do you know, to do that type of you know whitetail hunting for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you get along, if you get along some of those, those drainages, uh, you know, anywhere in the West, pretty much Colorado is no different, you know, And, and some of the some of the places the amount of deer and good good bucks that you'll see you know filling up the the alfalfa fields you know along these creeks and rivers and stuff in the evenings is unbelievable and you find a little pocket of public ground you know along one of those drainages and get yourself set up you're you're probably going to be in the chips so um, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean there's a lot of opportunity there as well now let's go to the other end of the spectrum and just uh, just i guess for 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 interesting conversation and trivia's sake not because i'm probably going to do many or any of these hunts but what are tell me about a, a few of the just absolutely most ridiculous offbeat hardest to draw off the wall species or hunts that there are in the west and 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 how how long is it going to take me to get these
1: tags sure so you know we had talked about earlier about you know some of the more you know, most applied for species, and and I had mentioned that elk was was a big was at the top of the list. you know, the second the second uh, species or the, the the species that's in second place would be uh, Rocky Mountain sheep, and then followed by desert bighorn sheep. So um, the reason that is is because. You know, sheep hunters are, you know, either wanting to hunt sheep once in their lifetime or, you know, they're trying to accomplish the grand slam of sheep. Now, everybody, most people understand that, you know, sheep hunting can be very expensive, Um, you know, stone sheep are, you know, pushing $50,000 these days. And, you know, a good dull sheep hunt in the Northwest territories is pushing 30 and, and the desert sheep down in old Mexico is, is, you know, over 50,000 typically right now. So, you know, just ridiculous money. Um, But now if you can draw a tag in the lower 48, if you can draw a tag in the West, if you can draw a tag in Montana or Idaho or a desert sheep tag in Arizona or Nevada, you know, or, or Rocky sheep tag in Colorado, again, you can go DIY. That's all public land. And if you want to hire an outfitter, you're not going to pay more than, you know, let's say between six and $8,000. So it is a radical, radical savings, right? And the quality is much better than anything you could do uh, with a guaranteed tag up in Canada or a guaranteed tag down in Mexico, right? Uh, particularly on the Rocky Mountain sheep, the, the quality is much better. So um, it, you know, you know, are the drawing odds difficult? Yes, they are. You know, sheep tags are obviously a lot more limited. Um, there's just less of them. They're, they're managed, uh, far more aggressively, but you know, I've drawn them. I've drawn them for clients that have only put in for, I've drawn it for clients that have put in for the first time ever. Right. Um, I've drawn it for kids. I've drawn it for, you know, old guys who, you know, older guys who have been putting in for, for, Thirty years, right? And they finally draw, and they they literally break down, right? And uh, into, into tears. I, I've had guys break down into tears over tags like that, right? But um, but I just wanted to say that if you're not applying, you have no chance, right? If you are applying, at least then you have a chance. And I don't think the odds are as bad as people think either, right? So when I'm talking about difficult tags, you know. I was just we just finished Nevada not long ago because we're in the, the you know I think drawing a desert sheep tag in Nevada you know you're looking at odds of better than one in a hundred so it's not one in ten thousand right it's it's better than one in 50 in a lot of units right we're doing Arizona right now um, so you know the sheep is a big one for us you know it's a really cool tag that you, know, you you might want to consider is the oryx tag on the white sands missile range in new mexico that's an african gemsbuck. buck yeah yeah so again those,
0: i've heard yeah. of that and i actually think we've i think we published a story about one of those a couple of years back and uh it is definitely interesting and you know unique you know there's nothing else quite like that and uh i don't know what are the odds of, of doing
1: something like that you know how long does that take yeah, it's you know, again, you know, New Mexico doesn't have a point system, so everybody's odds are the same. I'd have to look at the odds, but those odds are better than one in thirty of drawing that tag would be my best guess. Um it's a you know, it's it's a desert hunt. It's like an antelope hunt on steroids, right? It's like and, and it's a it's a great, big, beautiful animal and the table fare is outstanding. And, uh, of course, New Mexico has youth tags. It's something we should probably ought to touch on. The youth oryx tags are are far easier to draw. For a child who has his hunter safety card who is under 18 years old, that tag is probably better than, you know, one in 15 of drawing that tag. Uh, New Mexico also has ibex, right, Bezor ibex, which can only be hunted in the country of Turkey, basically, or most people hunt them in the country of Turkey, you know, extremely expensive hunts. If you can draw that tag now that is a little bit tougher to draw than the um than the Oryx tag but uh, what a neat tag right I drew that with a muzzle loader um uh, I've been on that hunt with with a client you know other people it's just it, it's a really neat pile of rock down in the southwest portion of New Mexico very challenging hunt um uh Jim Shockey, I, I when he drew the tag I, I went with him and, and he had you know, of course Shockey's hunted all over the world and ten times over and he said it was one of the most physically demanding hunts he'd ever done. Uh but uh but it's just it's just such a cool hunt and it's something that, you know, should be applied for. Um most people would just absolutely love that hunt. Um, so, you know, those are some of the more, I guess you'd call them higher end, more precious tags. the, uh, the Shira's moose, of course, a very precious tag, right? Shira's moose tags are just as hard to draw as Rocky mountain, bighorn sheep tags. And they're just as prestigious because there's less places to hunt those probably than there are sheep, right? Uh, that's mountain a, that's tags,
0: that's a, course. that's a once that moose tag is that in Colorado anyway, that's a once in a lifetime tag, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So, you know, a lot of those tags in the moose, sheep, goat category are once in a lifetime tags, meaning once you draw, you're not allowed to apply for them anymore. Uh Um, and uh, you know uh, Travis Baker in our office here last year drew a Shire's tag in Colorado, and um, it's a tag that has eluded me to this day. But boy, that that Colorado draw—the uh, results are supposed to come out here shortly, and I'm I'm hoping my name is on one of those tags. Also, we had mentioned antelope earlier. I just want to touch on to the general public that uh, June 1st. I don't know if we'll have this this podcast out by then but june 1st which i believe is monday uh that that is the antelope and deer deadline for wyoming but you know, that's where we're at
0: i might have this up i think i will have it up uh here with a few days to spare so um yeah maybe some people can catch that you know i mean i i said that before we did the show, I said, I realized it's kind of a strange timing because a lot of the deadlines are sort of either just passed or soon to pass for this year. But I think this is a topic that's of interest to, you know, lots of folks, because I think there are many, many, many bow hunters uh, here, especially in the East, who have thought about trying to do western hunting for years and they're a little bit intimidated by it and you know what as we head into the summer this isn't a bad time to be talking about this and planting the seed because people can reach out to you throughout the summer months and as we head into fall and they can kind of look forward to next year as the year that they're going to get into doing some applications and, uh, you know, have a game plan in place where they can start, um, you know, thinking about some tags that they might want to draw longer term, as well as a few opportunities that, you know, might be more accessible for the short term. And, you know, that was something that we talked about yesterday when I was setting this call up with you. I said, You know, I I have found that the idea of waiting, you know, 15 or 20 or even 30 years to draw a particular tag, and it is getting to that in – some of these units and i'll let you talk about that and talk about point creep Uh, that might not mean anything to people but i'd like you to explain to folks what point creep is but um, the point i was making is that there are places in the west where you can have a really good hunt, uh, f- whether that's for elk or mule deer or, you know, anyth- a bunch of other species, maybe not anything else, probably not sheep tags or moose tags, but a variety of good hunts that within a three to five year time frame, it's very reasonable to expect to draw some of those tags. So you don't have to go in for this decades long process in order to enjoy some good Western hunting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's there like you said, there's tags that you might never draw in your lifetime and there's tags that you can draw this year and there's everything in between. When I construct a portfolio for you, I'm going to kind of go through that. You know, I'm going to see what you you know we'll, we'll talk about your you know how, how old are you uh, you know your 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 portfolio that I'm gonna recommend is a lot different for a 65 year old as it is for a 35 year old I'm gonna see what kind of physical condition you're in I'm gonna see what weapons you're versed in you know muzzleloader archery rifle you know uh, that's gonna help in drawing odds the more primitive the weapon typically the easier the, the, the drawing odds I'm gonna see what your time frame is what your trophy quality expectation is now if your trophy quality expectation is and I have this. Like, guys, like, hey, if I draw a tag, I want it to be the best tag in the country. I want to go hunt great big ones and, you know, great chance at Boone and Crockett quality. And, yeah, that's probably going to take a little longer. Uh, But, you know, if if you're maybe – you know, you don't have such a high standard where, hey, look, I just want to get out and go on a great elk hunt. I want to see an elk bugle in my face, like a Primo's video. And, you know, I want to pull my bow back or, or, you know, crawl up on a rock and anchor up, you know, with my rifle. And and it doesn't have to be the next world record. There's things I can do, there's things I can recommend to bring those draw times way, way down, right? And so I think, you know, when we look at the magazines and we look at, you know, the social media you know, we're seeing the best of the best often, but, you know, and a, a lot of great hunts are getting left out. And, you know, to your point, uh, you know, there are things that, that there, there's, think about all the, excuse me, think about all the Western states, right. And think about all the different game management units inside those Western states. I mean, the combinations are, they're not endless, but there's a lot of combinations, right. And, and I can typically help, you through that. People call me all the time. Hey, I have three points for an antelope. What am I looking at? I want to go this year. Hey, I have this. I have this. you know? And I can, I can, I can find it. I mean, like I said, I've been doing this for a long time, and uh, my team has been doing it for a long time, and, and we study it all day long, five days a week, eight hours a day. And, and, you know, even on the weekends, we're always reading up on it and, and we can sure help get those draw times down. You know, the point creep situation, it's an unfortunate situation. And again, it really only applies to states that have true preference in place. Um, And, in those states, there's enough game management units to say, "Hey, yeah, look, you're not going to draw the northwest corner of Colorado, uh, you know, w- for elk with a rifle in the bugle. You're just you're way too far behind on points. Point creep is one. There's the, point creep is when there's more applicants than there are tags for that particular unit, and there's always going to be right. So the point is always going to go up by one. Um, and so and you know another thing too, you know. Just in regard to the deadlines, yes, we've missed most of the deadlines for this year. However, some, some big deadlines still coming up, right? We can still buy points in Wyoming, uh, through, uh, through november 2nd right we can still buy points in montana through september 30th right pennsylvania elk your home state christian you know that deadline is july 31st so while we yeah, don't don't miss of, don't
0: if you're a yeah. gambling if you're a gambling man you definitely <laughs> no. don't want to miss that one <laughs> <laughs> there's some big bulls there huh or, or you could yeah yeah you'll well, here's the thing. Yes, if you draw a Pennsylvania elk tag, you're probably crazy, especially if you're going to go hunt with a rifle. You're probably crazy not to shoot a 400-inch bull.
1: Cause, That's unbelievable. You know, this because, is our first year of, of offering that application, and I've been reading up on it. It's incredible the size of those elk you guys have.
0: Well, I mean, there's, there's only about... Yeah, I don't know what the current estimate is—seven hundred to a thousand elk—and I don't remember. You know, I don't know what this year's allocation is. They might give out about twenty-five bull tags a year or so. You know, they get big and they get old and there's not really any reason to shoot a, I mean, anybody that, anybody who draws a Pennsylvania bull elk tag and shoots a, you know, a raghorn five by five ought to have his head examined because (laughs) that's like, you know, taking a briefcase full of money and setting it on fire, man. (laughs)
1: Sure, sure, yeah. So, well, you know, I know the odds are long in Pennsylvania, but you can't draw it if you don't put in for it. Well, so I, I put in,
0: I think it's only 10 bucks and I don't know how many points I have now. It's a it's a bonus point system, you know. So, like you said, I, I don't know if I have like 10 or 11 points now or whatever, but that just means my name goes into the hat 11 times. It doesn't mean I'm ever yeah. going to draw, you know. Yeah. Just means right, I have right. better chance than than you might. But uh, anyway, I'll tell you what, man. This has been a, a very, very interesting episode, and it's certainly something you know like you said it's it can be daunting and it can be frustrating too and to your point you know you see you see the demand i mean sometimes i have days where i just get really sour and i'm like you know these states out west they're all just running a racket man and they're taking advantage of us and i guess there's some truth to that but at the same time to your point if you don't enter you can't draw and at the end of the day if you're a hunter you want to hunt. And uh, boy, the West is, you know, an experience that everybody who hunts ought to experience once in their lifetime at least so so you've got to play the game if you want to enjoy uh all that the west has to offer and you know the tags program is uh, a good a place as any if not better to start so with that eric why don't you tell folks who have listened to the show today and they're like yeah i need to get on the ball here and start doing that. How do they connect with you sure. and the tags program?
1: Yeah. And I'll leave you with this too. You know, if you play the application game, at least in a couple of different States, your hunting future is going to be brighter. Uh, you know, our careers as hunters are, they're short, right? I mean, we can only climb the mountains for so long, you know, the sooner you get involved, the better, you will draw a tag here and there and it'll be an exciting day in your life. Um, You know, one thing I should have mentioned when I spoke about the fee structure earlier, Christian, is that we don't charge children. uh, It's 100 percent off our service fee on every single application. So we'll float thousands of dollars for them. Uh, you know, at, at zero, at zero charge to steam. Wait, 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 wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. I got to interrupt you. I have a, I have two sons. I got a 16 year old and a 14 year old. You're telling me I can start putting them in for everything. And you're going to, you're going to, you're going to upfront me
1: correct yeah we would we'll do it all oh, you know, free of charge. well
0: you and i are going to be talking kidding, offline kidding. then
1: <laughs> yeah i'll get in taken care of you know it's, it's really a great program too it's not only do we not charge anything uh the state fees are reduced as well in a lot of states and you know you take a state like new mexico let's just take like a vividel elk tag that's a dream elk tag to draw right it's it's the vividel unit of new mexico for you and i to draw that tag christian our odds i think are that's a um, once in a lifetime that, tag that's a that once in a once lifetime, lifetime tag. tag yep adult yep. drawing odds i'm going to guess them at about 1 in 70 you know children uh you know your odds are going to be 1 in 10 1 in 15 of drawing the same tag so you know, the Unit 34 elk tag. I mean, that's in the bugle with a high-powered rifle. You know, it keeps the kids, you know, the unit, New Mexico has a lot of great, great youth elk tag, or youth uh, hunting tags. You know, the deer tags in Unit 2B and 2C. I mean, or I think it's in 2B. It's an incredible tag, right? So, and, and again, the drawing odds are, are far better. Uh, we're not charging kids to do that. And if you need help, you know, yeah, we've missed a lot of deadlines, but, it's never too early to at least have a conversation and you can reach me or one of my team members. Um, I have a great group around me. It's not about the money. It's about helping you guys, you know, draw these tags and keeping people here in Sydney, Nebraska employed. Uh, and our number here is 1-800-755-8247 or one 800 755 tags is an easy way to remember it. And, you know, Christian, I, I, so appreciate the time today. Uh, you know, Peterson's bow hunting is a rag that I've read since I was a little kid. Um, you know, Mike Scoby, David Draper, some of the best people, uh, outdoorsmen, uh, just, you know, you know, really appreciate everything. And, um, and thank you for taking the time to, uh, to interview me today. And I hope I can help.
0: Uh, You certainly have. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that it is a rag because we've been doing really well during this pandemic. You know, we've actually seen a a good boost in subscriptions uh, as people are cooped up at home. And the only thing that we can conclude is, is that it was that toilet paper shortage, you know, so now we actually, we're advertising, you know, right on the cover, you know, you can get, you can not only get some good reading material, but you can keep that on the back of the toilet and get through the month with that as well. So it, uh, it's been good for us, you know, so, so uh, hopefully that means we're going to be hanging around for a, a lot of years to come, and uh, yeah, that means that you and I will be able to collaborate on, on a couple good tags in the future, and, and we'll have some stories to tell about the, the opportunities uh, that we had in the West and the, and the adventures
1: that we uh, enjoyed. Now, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh wow. And give me a call. And we'll get your, your son signed up, and uh, and they'll be in good shape.
0: Well, thanks again, man. Really appreciate it, and uh, wish you the best uh, uh,
1: with your hunting season yeah. this fall. Stay safe. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Christian.
0: Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bow Hunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bow hunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting on your local newsstand, or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com.